You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Hey, hey, Jess O'Reilly here. I am here in Los Angeles, California, in town for a couple of speaking events. And today I am joined by none other than Lacey Bloom, a panty peddler, among <laughs> other things. You're a performer, an actress, actor, a writer. What does it mean to be a panty peddler? Oh, well, let me tell you. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's really interesting, actually. I, um, I not only host the Sophia Gray podcast along with my partner in crime, Tracy Bust, um, but I sell my used underwear online on sophiagray.com. And how did you get into this? How did you even find this? And should I be selling my underwear? Okay, well, the second the answer to the second question is yes, you absolutely should, and anybody can, which is the beauty of it. But um, I actually, I think I came into things a little bit backwards. You know, we have a lot of people who come to SophiaGray.com, and they are either buyers or sellers or both, and they're looking to either make a little bit extra money by selling their underwear, which is kind of the mind frame I had, or they are looking to buy underwear. You know, they have a fetish, a kink for used underwear, and um, that's the perfect place to go for that. But I actually came into the podcast first. I'm a podcast host by trade. And when I was hired by Sophia Gray, I thought, well, I need to know about this company that I'm working for. And when I found out it was a company, the largest online marketplace, mind you, that sells used underwear, I thought, well, I could do that. Like, why not? You know, and really, I mean, I find research and education like the sexiest thing. So I did my research. I looked at all sorts of people who were selling their underwear on Sophia Gray. I looked at what people were interested in buying. And I just decided that um, it made sense for me to sign up too and sell my underwear. And so do you sell used underwear? I do. Ah, and how used do they want it? Like, are, are there desires for people to purchase underwear that you've worn once yes. or 10 times or? Yeah, yeah. No, it's honestly, I mean, for me, it's like, it seems like the more, the more moist, the better. I know people don't love the word moist, but um, yeah, no, it's uh it's, it's interesting. You will actually, um, I, I haven't been as avid on the site lately as I was before I started doing the podcasting, but I do plan on getting back into it, but you will actually receive requests from buyers at times wanting to kind of build this personal connection with who they're buying used underwear from. So sometimes buyers make these specific requests and contact with sellers to, you know, make a request like, Hey, I I would love to buy underwear that you wear to take a hike in the Hollywood Hills, because there's going to be a certain element of sweat and pheromones and everything that come with that pair of underwear that, you know, maybe you wouldn't get if you just purchased a pair at Target. Well, here's the thing. Do you know what I'm doing later today? (laughs) Because I had a cancellation. I am going to try and run, not actually run, hurry myself to the Hollywood Hills for a quick hike. Well... There you go. I mean, it's it's perfect. It's meant to be. <laughs> How much money can I make selling a pair? First of all, 
I need to put some on because, you know, truth be told, I'm not wearing any right Good now. Good for you. But I need, I need to put some on. I do have some in my bag. Yeah. I always have a pair in my bag. That you're willing to let go. Because, I mean, that's that's the hardest thing, right, is letting go of a good pair of panties. That's so true. I'm a hanky-panky I'm a hanky panky person. <laughs> okay. Do you know hanky-panky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I find them super, super comfy, yeah. stretchy. I tie them in a knot. This oh. is what I do because I often, you know, don't want to wear them. But you never know when you need to slip them on. Yeah. So I tie them in a knot in my bag so that the part that comes comes into contact with my body, mm-hmm. like with my lips, mm-hmm. is covered. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't want them. I don't want them floating around my bag. There's, you know, like a purse cookie in there, a couple of purse mints. <laughs> Who knows what else is in there, right? Like all the oh. other dirty stuff in my bag. So yeah. I tie them in a knot, or I put them in a little, you know, little pouch. Sure, sure. That's what I usually do when I travel. But hanky pinkies are expensive. So yeah. just my baseline cost. I don't, I don't know how much they cost because I'm a little cheap and I buy them on sale at the outlets. But I think full price, aren't those like 25 or 30 US dollars? Yeah, like per pair uh-huh. too. I mean, yeah. And that's, and that's, I feel like when you're buying good underwear. Well, and let me tell you, like I use, I kind of use this as an excuse too, because generally you're going to make anywhere between like 20 to $50 for okay. a pair of underwear. And um, from, we've, we've discussed this on the podcast as it being sort of like a great side hustle, a sexy side hustle. If you're looking for something like that, where you really, um, the, the more successful sellers are the ones who create this, you know, they're very active in their profile. They engage with people. They're constantly sharing photos and new merchandise and everything on their, on their site. Um, as well as just, I mean, some people kind of can be themselves, but they can also sort of create this sexy persona or character that they want to play. And I think that's what engages a lot of buyers. So, I mean, especially somebody like you who has like some celebrity status behind them, I think you could definitely get like 70 to $80 a pair. Huh. Okay. I got to start buying cheaper underwear if I'm going to do this right. though, right? Well, or then you use the money you make from selling your used underwear to be like, okay, I'm going to treat myself and buy myself a really nice pair of panties. Like, I, I'm so, I think, Chinese Jamaican or Chinese that I'm just like, <laughs> no, how can I save this money and invest it? Right. Oh no. I'm just, I'm, I still, I'm a constant believer in like, oh, well I can buy this in a six pack at, you know, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a little bit about why people would be interested in yeah. buying used underwear, but I'm more to begin with interested in your perspective. What is exciting about it for you aside from the money? Yeah. No, well, and let's be honest, you know, the money's great. That's, that's <laughs> always exciting. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's something, there's something to be said for, you know, somebody wanting, I, I think it's the same way we feel about when we're in the bedroom with somebody is there's this desire element that, you know, especially, um, I, I'm a full figured, you know, fat woman. I just actually listened to your episode talking about fat bodies, sex, and was thinking, Oh God, you're right. You know, my body is amazing. I love me like, you know, and the fact that somebody, a stranger, no less out there on the internet wants a little bit of me to take home with them. Oh, I mean, I don't know what's sexier than that. Like, I just, I find that so hot and rewarding. Yeah, you know, I often talk about your core erotic feelings. So the feeling that underlies sexual desire or interest Mm -hmm. in sex. And I think for so many of us, it is being desired. When we feel desired, it puts us in the mood for sex. Yeah, because, you know, we want to be loved and we want to be wanted, but there is like this base underlying factor of just wanting to be desired too. So yeah, no, I completely, completely identify with that. And I'm thinking about for all genders, because when we think about kind of, you know, cis women, so much of our social capital 
is rooted in being wanted. And we need mm-hmm. to do, un- we need to undo mm-hmm. much of that in terms of messaging because yes. our sense of self, our sense of sexiness, our desire for sex can become too rooted mm-hmm. in being wanted. Sure. And this can become a problem, I think, about if you have a hetero male partner. Mm-hmm. Straight men almost never get to experience being desired because people are yeah. not as effusive in their desire. They're not as expressive about what they want with straight men. So I can look at you one day, you know, as a friend and say like, God, you look good or you look hot in those, that dress or hot in those heels or, mm-hmm. you know, we can admire one another walking down the street, whether you want it or not, people right. express desire for you. Oh, all the time. And that becomes our normalized experience even when it feels objectifying, even when we feel frustrated or threatened by sure. it. It is our it is our baseline. Yeah. Whereas for primarily straight men, uh, mm-hmm. I think gay men have a different perspective. We can talk about that in a moment. They don't get that opportunity to be wanted. So do you find guys selling their underwear on the site as well? They do. They do. We, I mean, we have people of all genders, all, you know, backgrounds, um, every, you know, orientation under the sun. But um, we, I, I will say that, you know, primarily we do, most of our sellers are female and most of our buyers are male. Now, I'm not sure if that means that, you know, more men have an underwear fetish than women. Um, but we do, we do have representation of really everybody on the site that's both buying and selling. That's really cool. And so... If I were to go on the site mm-hmm. and sell, you mentioned posting photos. Do you need to post photos of your body, of your face, of just the underwear? I yeah. imagine you, you can leave much to the imagination. Yeah, well, and, and the beauty of this website and one of the reasons, you know, the minds behind Sophia Gray created the site was they wanted to have, you know, a used panty marketplace that, you know, basically touched a demographic that wasn't being represented in the you know, kink community, but also that it's very safe. It's very safe in that you really, it's really up to you how much information you want to share about yourself. If you want to put, you know, full bodied photos of yourself wearing panties, fine. If you want to share just some, you know, beautiful shots of your behind and your, your parts, that's cool too. Um, but if you just want to share photos of panties, that's also fine. You don't have, there's nothing that says that you have to reveal your name, anything about your sexuality or your gender. It, it really is up to you. And the site does not store your personal information. So it's, it's kind of sexy in a way too, to like have the power to be so anonymous if you want to. Um, and if you don't want to, and you want to just put it all out there, I mean, that's hot too. <laughs> yeah. I would think the sense of escapism and yes. the chance to play a role. I think about For me, I'm not sure if this appeals to me yet. Uh, I have a lot of concerns for myself just because I have a lot of followers and I I do have some people who harass me. Yeah. But this sort of appeals to me to get to play a role. Like I imagine going online and telling a story Mm -hmm. that is hot and sexy and creative and maybe not true, but feels true. Like, so this is tapping into sexual fantasy. It doesn't have to be true to be hot. And in fact, the more creative it is, the more fictional it is, oftentimes the hotter it is because everything goes perfectly. Do you find people weave stories? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that what sells the underwear? You know, I mean, in my experience, I think there is definitely some element of storytelling. And I know that having 
started this journey myself. I I've told friends about it who, you know, want to know more and they've started selling their panties and, you know, some of them have come to me to say, I'm not sure why mine aren't selling as much. And we like take a look at their profile and see, you know, what's up there. And I'm like, Hey, have some fun with it. You know, this is, this is a character. This is a role you're creating for yourself. And, you know, you can make it as much of you as you want, but also remember that the people also buying the panties, I think they get more pleasure out of it by it also being this creative story that they get to be a part of by purchasing your underwear. So there's there's definitely, I think, some fun to be had with the storytelling element. And I see that being very successful. Now, I, I don't know exactly what's true about every person, you know, on the internet. None of us do. Right. But um, I think the beauty of sort of an underwear fetish or kink in general is this fantasy element to it that doesn't exist with a lot of other kinks. So um, it, it's there's power in it of being able to kind of even if you're not receiving a story from a seller, creating the story yourself that goes along with it. So there's no fee to sell your underwear. Um, how do you monetize the site? So they do, there is a, um, it's, there's no fee to sell your underwear. However, there is a membership fee. Okay. So to join the site, you do have to pay a small fee. Even if you're selling underwear? Yes. Okay. So on both sides, you're paying a fee. Yes. Interesting. Okay. And what about requests? I'd love to hear some of the <laughs> wild requests and also, you know, begin with the important message that if you're into selling your underwear, that's cool. If you're into buying underwear, right. you're perfectly normal. And we right. again, we'll talk a little bit about erotic associations in a moment, but what are some of the wild requests you receive well, have or have read? Say, yeah, I have to say a lot, a lot of people seem to want sweaty. They, the more, the more juices, the better. Like, I feel like it only makes sense that a lot of people do request underwear that's been masturbated in, um, that's been worn while, you know, working out at the gym, doing some sort of sweaty activity. Um, we do, we have received requests before, um, about having underwear that has been pooped in. Oh, are you allowed to sell that? That is actually one of the things the site does not allow. So that is, um, that is one of the things that they, you know, kind of have put the foot down on. Not because it's not okay to want that. You right. absolutely can want that and fantasize about that. It's just that I, I imagine there's a liability issue yeah, with sending feces exactly. in the mail. A little bit more of a hygienic issue as well, I think. And I, I can't imagine your United, United States Postal Service <laughs> would be up for delivering that. Can you imagine that? That postman, postwoman that picks that up. Hmm. <laughs> Dear God, we can barely get our regular mail. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I just sent a Valentine's Day card that got, you know, to my friend three weeks late. <laughs> I know, I sent two checks to Florida from Toronto about a month ago, and they still haven't arrived. Now, oh, in boy. Canada, I don't know if we have this problem, because I have the best mail carrier. Shout well, out to go. Mike. Shout out to Mike. I've had wonderful mail carriers my entire, I guess home owning life. You're so lucky. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I like say hi to them and talk to them. And I did something super awkward the other day (laughs) with my postman, my mail carrier. So I hadn't seen him since the holidays, since prior to the holidays. And I thought he was coming in for a hug. And then I went and hugged him and he was not coming in for a hug. (laughs) And I mean, I'm sure people will say I should ask first. And that really is true. But I really read the body language as him reaching for a hug, but he was actually reaching for my mailbox beside me. (laughs) So Mike got a himself a hug. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Mike appreciated the hug, but he's he's really great. So yeah, I, I can see not wanting 
to deliver those things via mail and, of right, course, right. issues around bacteria mm-hmm. and whatnot. So people want, I guess, the, the messier, the wetter, the juicier. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it seems like a lot of times when somebody makes like a specific request, um, you know, sometimes they want this engagement between the two of you. Like, I want I want to know kind of like what your day was like. Like, sometimes it's as simple as somebody requesting underwear that's just been worn out. I want you to buy a pair or wear a pair specifically for me for the entire day. And, you know, tell me what your day was like, like, which I'm kind of like thinking, you know, I I'm single right now, but if I was with a partner, I'm like, wow, that's kind of just a sexy thing in general of like, you know, coming home to your partner, telling them how your day was, everything you did. And, you know, that's, and they find that erotic and sexy is just the fact that you were wearing this underwear while you were doing all these things, whether it was grocery shopping or hiking. Right. And yeah, all the smells associated with all those different activities. And so many of us like the smell of our own underwear. Sure, sure. I remember when I was younger and first discovered discharge. Mm -hmm. So the vagina is a self-cleaning oven and throughout the month and throughout your cycle, it cleans itself out. And so you will have this kind of colorless or white, um, odorless or fairly neutral smelling discharge Mm -hmm. throughout the month. And I remember I was probably in grade seven and I had no clue what it was. Right. I was freaking out. Yeah. Cause you, and it's, it's wet and you feel it, you know, and you're just sort of like, what's going on? What's wrong with me? Yeah. And we don't talk about these things. Even women in their, in their forties and fifties will ask me if it's okay. They've been holding this inside because we've developed so much shame and shrouded this body part in so much secrecy Mm -hmm. that we don't even ask the questions to check on our own health. And of course, if you have discharge that changes, if you have discharge that has a very different odor, a more potent odor, if you have discharge that is looking more yellow or green, you might, you want to get that checked out. But if we don't even talk about the normal baseline, how the hell are we supposed to know when something is wrong with ourselves? And I've gone off on a tangent there. Oh, no, no. And it's not the same, I feel like, with the penis as it is with a vagina. Is there's, and, and it's so crazy to me, even in 2020, that this is something, I mean, as simple as discharge that we don't talk about. Yeah. But it seems like everything revolving around the vagina, there's just so much mystique and... I mean, what's the word for like negative mystique? Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's it, a stigma. It's this it really sh- is. shameful, shrouded in secrecy stigma. And, you know, the other day I um, had my period and okay. I was at a sports game and I had to, there was no washroom on site. So I had to run to the coffee shop at the corner. Got it. And I remember saying to somebody like, oh, I have to run or, you know, I've got to change my tampon. Mm-hmm. And I guess it really was off-putting for them. They were like, well, that's too much information. Ugh. But I was also explaining why the hell I had to leave the game in the middle of a point right? because I didn't want to bleed out. And I know, again, there are going to be people listening who think that's TMI, Jess, but this is just our normal bodily function. This right. is the function that allows for the goddamn life force. <laughs> and that's what makes it so crazy to me that this isn't something, that it's something we look at, at in a shameful way because I'm like, this is... This is the being that gives life, like the things that you're we, welcome. I, Not that I've ever real. done it. <laughs> I haven't either, but you know, we're, we're thinking and, you know, being thankful for all of the mothers and people who have vaginas out there for 
the amazing work that you do with those vaginas. Exactly. And and so I think of this selling of underwear and purchasing of underwear and enjoying the smell or the taste sure. or just the feeling and the associated stories as normalizing, more normalizing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of this body part. And so when I ask you about the, you know, wild or outlier mm-hmm. stories, it isn't just to sensationalize them. Although, I, I, of course, people want to hear the outliers. Oh, and, sure. But it's also a normalization. So if somebody says, you know what? Yeah, I kind of like the smell when my discharge, um, you know, melds or mixes together mm-hmm. with my sweat or I've had a long day, I kind of like that smell. Uh, there's something soothing about it. There's something calming about it. There's something erotic about it. There's yeah. something that turns me on You're about it. You're not alone. Exactly. You're not alone. Exactly. There's a whole bunch of folks out there that think and feel the exact same way you do. And this is this is exactly the kind of topic that we discuss on the Sophia Gray show is, you know, kind of destigmatizing kinks and fetishes and anything that, you know, turns you on. It, you know, so long as, you know, it is something that's safe for both you and a consensual partner that it, there's nothing wrong with that. There's and we should be having these conversations. I thought of something. I thought about whether or not you would talk to your partner if you have a partner or partners and you want to sell your underwear. I was thinking that because, you know, in my life, in my relationship, I I tell Brandon a lot. I don't Mm -hmm. want to say I tell him everything because that would be unrealistic. And it's always scary when a couple says, oh, we tell each other everything. Because as soon as one (laughs) walks out of the room, they're like, oh, except this one thing. (laughs) Because you don't tell everybody or anybody everything. Right. But I was thinking that it would be normal for me to discuss this with Brandon and I don't feel that I would personally ask for his consent. Sorry, Brandon's my husband. Right. Yeah, you probably yeah, know him I from the it. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was thinking that other people would feel that they want their partner's consent. Okay. And that there's no right or wrong or black or white. There's a whole bunch of nuance to this. I look at it as it's my body, it's my underwear. And then I see the flip side, which is if I'm interacting with someone online in an erotic or sexual way, I would like to know if that is in line Mm -hmm. with the terms of whatever relationship contract we've negotiated. And in most cases, because we assume monogamy as a default or even we assume that a specific type of language, like, oh, we're monogamish or, Mm -hmm. oh, we're flexible, Mm -hmm. that, that a specific word speaks as shorthand sure. to explain everything. I think the reality is most of us have not discussed whether or not, you know, our partner would be comfortable with us selling our underwear. Now, mm-hmm. of course, our partner doesn't get to make that call, but I would think in any relationship, you want to know how your partner feels and maybe want to take that into consideration. Yeah. So I was just thinking that there must be some real gray area here. And sure. this this offers just a reminder that everybody should be talking in long form, not shorthand about what you're comfortable with in your relationship. Always. Because what I'm okay with may not be okay with what may not be the same as what Brandon's okay with, right. may not be the same as what you're okay with. Right. And there's no right or wrong, but I, I think as long as you have a discussion about what you want, why you want it, mm-hmm. what your desires are, and what your fears are. Because I think in relationships, we often put down our foot and say, nope, this is a hard no. But let's, and and that's obviously important to be able to say no. But can we dig deeper and say, okay, why am I so off put by this? Why am I saying no? Right. Exactly. And and usually the question is what scares me? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, right. Because of course, that's that's what it always. I'm scared if you do this, you'll fall in love with somebody else. I'm scared if you do this, you'll you know find somebody sexier than me. You know, I I completely understand. And I think I love what you said about you know communication between partners. 
course, always. But I think there's also that you need to continually communicate because defining what we're into when we start dating someone does not necessarily define what we're into or find sexy five years into a relationship with someone. I mean, it, it's the same, same idea of, you know, when you, when you engage in a sexual relationship with somebody, just because you start having sex doesn't mean you have to continue to have sex. You know, there's this constant, there needs to be constant communication that I feel like a lot of people don't have. And that's why sort of people grow apart from each other is they're not necessarily growing apart, but they're growing into different directions and they're not talking about it. Right. And you change over time. Of course. I mean, I hope you do. I hope you do. (laughs) Oftentimes I hear people say like, oh, they've changed, uh, accusing them of evolution. And that natural evolution is what makes monogamy or you know, any type of relationship mm-hmm, possible mm-hmm. because you would be so bored if somebody <laughs> stayed, imagine meeting when you're 25 and being the same person when you're 60. Ouch. You, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You want your partner to change. And I think it's important to remember that you're allowed to feel uncomfortable. Sure. You're allowed to feel off put. You're allowed to even ex- express what you want, but your partner doesn't always have to oblige you and right. your partner cannot meet all of your needs right. and your partner cannot assuage all of your concerns, oftentimes that's on you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I'm thinking about people who might say, oh, well, this is, you know, I wouldn't want my partner doing this. I wouldn't want them interacting. Okay, that's okay if that's your first reaction, but please explore beyond that why. Right. What threatens you about this? And that doesn't mean that you have to come around. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to come around and be like, you know what? I got it, my deepest, darkest, you know, fears and my threats, and now I'm okay with it. But at least you're going to have the conversation. Right, because I think a lot of people have the concern that, if my partner wants something, you know, for example, let's say it is, you know, an underwear fetish and they want to buy somebody's used underwear online, they might wonder, why doesn't my partner, how, why am I not fulfilling this desire that they have? Is there something I can be doing differently? And that's most of the time, not the case, you know, but just having these conversations and, you know, I know when I'm in a relationship, I, I want to be a part of my partner's desires. Like I, you know, but it's sometimes if that's something I can't fulfill or I don't feel comfortable fulfilling it. I want to help them find that fulfillment. Like, how can I help you find this? Like, I'm not going to do this for you, but you know, what, what is it that I can do to, you know, make this happen for you? Even if I'm not, you know, the part of it. I love that perspective of alternatives versus compromise Yes, and understanding that you cannot meet all of your partner's needs. And even when your partner has a desire that doesn't include you, it is not necessarily an indication of a deficit Exactly. in the relationship. Yep. Right. And that deficit model is rooted in the idea of soulmates. It's rooted in the notion mm. that if you find the right person, you'll never need anything the else. The one. The one. The one. The illustrious one. In seven billion yeah. What if mine is in Mongolia? That's going to be a long plane ride. <laughs> it, it, you know, I do like a plane, but there is no Dreamliner flight, no 787 going to mm-hmm. Mongolia. So mm-hmm. now you must hear a lot from people with regard to why they're mm-hmm. into used underwear. And I just wanted to kind of flesh out some of the totally healthy reasons. So for example, for some people, it's just the smell of bodily fluids. It's that natural animalistic desire, especially attractive, I think, 
in a culture in which we are toning down mm-hmm. our body's natural right. response. We have to cover it all up. You know, it's I. It's so funny. I'm a, um, I'm a performer and I've performed on more than one occasion, the vagina monologues. Cool. And there's a monologue in there that's all about her angry vagina and how she's upset about why am I trying to cover up the smell of my vagina? Let, there's a spray for rain. I don't want my <laughs> pussy to smell like rain. And it's true. I mean, there's, it really is. We're trying to cover up so many things, but why, you know, when the natural beauty of it is just so good. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's a normal, a, a desire for just the natural bodily functions. There's, for some people, wanting used panties is associated with submission and humiliation. So mm. it really runs the gamut. For others, the association of eroticism and underwear or used underwear is formed through an early or peak erotic experience. And it creates this association. So if you were masturbating and you saw those underwear, if you were getting turned on and you felt the kind of silky mm-hmm. feel of those underwear, you can develop what we call an erotic association. This, of course, is, is one theory. Another theory is that the taboo element of something that you were forbidden. My favorite. Uh, from ta- yeah, and it's not just underwear. There are so many oh, other yeah. other items or potential fetishes. Uh, you mentioned that sometimes fan- fantasy is simply an escape for from reality. It allows you to explore themes and roles and interactions that don't fit your lived reality and your fantasies can be at odds with your lived reality. Oh, absolutely. Right. If absolutely. you're, if you're, oh, I, I know for me when I'm making, always making decisions and always feeling like I'm in control and often in somewhat of a position of power, mm-hmm. that's why submission mm-hmm. appeals to me so greatly in the bedroom. It's, yeah. you know, 50% because it's an escape from my role of having to be in control and 50% just because I'm lazy. And I think, I think that's pretty typical, you know, at least from, um, a lot of my friends and people I've interacted with who are in, you know, 24 seven dom sub relationships, a lot of them are submissive because of the fact that in their, you know, professional lives or, you know, outside of their personal relationship, they are very dominant. They are very large and in charge. And they're like, I need a break. I need a break. I want someone to tell me what to do. Like, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's a turn on, it's subversive. And if you find your fantasy, whether it's about used underwear or anything, if you find it particularly subversive, it can also be related to the ways in which arousal can affect disgust. So if you fantasize about sploshing, like rubbing wet and messy substances like honey Mm. or pie or angel food cake all over your body or over your vulva, you might be turned on by the thought of messy or sticky because as arousal levels heighten, your disgust instincts become less sharp. Yes, And so things that you once experienced as Mm off-putting become a turn on. And there's something Mm -hmm. so hot about taking something that is perhaps a negative Right. Or, or socioculturally a negative, even if, even if it's not naturally a negative to right. you, and finding power and pleasure in it. I mean, I always think about, I'm like, if I wasn't selling my used underwear, my used underwear that I've sweated in, that I've, you know, discharged in, that I'm just going about my everyday life, I would just be throwing this in the dirty clothes basket to like sit there 
for a week before I do laundry because I live in a building where you use quarters to pay for laundry. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're talking about a place of worship where someone is creating this fantasy and pleasure out of something I've put on my body or me literally throwing it in what's basically a trash can that is going to get recycled. I love that. This idea of of waste, of yeah. your your bodily magic, your fluid, all right. that fun stuff. It reminds me of this Tanya Stevens song. Tanya Stevens is a reggae artist, Jamaican reggae artist, to me, the best that has ever existed. Nice. I'll take her above Bob Marley even. <gasps> and she talks about like this guy that she can she wants but she can't have because the world is not evolved enough to accept that they're each in separate relationships but oh. could have an additional relationship. So oh she's she's talking about ethical non-monogamy yeah. within reggae and and she talks about many kind of challenging concepts, uh, not just ethical non-monogamy, but she talks about racism and homophobia through her music. Fantastic. And she talks about wanting this guy and she says something along the lines of... Um, Maybe you and me could make a beautiful daughter, but unfortunately it's a waste of water. Meaning like, Mm. you know, it's a waste of all of this energy and fluid. I don't know if people are going to get that reference, but Google Tanya Stevens. I definitely am going to look her up because I, the fact that's my other thing is I, I want these conversations to be more mainstream. I want us to have conversations and hear music and watch it on TV and in movies and read it in books. That's why I'm a huge advocate and supporter of erotica and romance books and everything. Like I love my literature. So, um, I'm the fact that it's in music. I'm like, I love that. The song is called it's a pity by Tanya Stevens. So look it up. I'll see if I can play a clip here. I don't know what's allowed. (laughs) I'll tell you, I don't have the money for the license. (laughs) Sorry, Tanya. (laughs) But I I think that the idea of waste of, Hey, let's invest in our bodies. Let's use what we're producing is such a cool, cool concept, a cool way of looking at it. Maybe not for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is not, you know, in any way of saying like, you have to go try this. Like if, if it doesn't work for you or you feel embarrassed by it or, you know, just ashamed, I mean, I never want anybody to feel ashamed about anything, but you know, then maybe it's not for you and that's okay. I mean, that's the same with any kink or fetish. It's not for everyone. It's not a buy all, you know, like one size fits all. If you're kinky, that does not mean you enjoy every single kink that exists. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if if people want to get started, Mm -hmm. they can go check out the website, see what's on there. Can they peruse without joining? Yeah, you can check it out. You can see what some people are, you know, putting up on their profiles and everything. And Sophia Gray, you can find on, you know, all the various social media platforms. We, We talk a good amount about kind of the process as well as other kinky topics on the podcast. And uh, you'll find that a lot of people who do sell their underwear on Sophia Gray and they create these personas for themselves, um, you can find a lot of them on social media as well. I found Twitter to be like a fantastic site specifically for people in the kinky community to connect. So um, yeah, do do your research. I I love research. I think I want to try it. I don't think I want to try it as Jess O'Reilly because... I, I guess I just, I don't love being objectified when you're a, right. a woman and a woman who wears six inch heels like me talk, <laughs> talking about this topic. It is so easy for people to, to cross the line, sure, honestly. Absolutely. Um, there's no excuse for it. Mm. So when I say it's easy, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, being reduced to the way I look, being mm-hmm. reduced to my sexuality, being reduced, um, you know, to 
just sex. Mm -hmm. When in fact, you know, I'm trying to help people feel better about themselves and feel better about their lives and yes, have better sex. Shame on you. Yeah. (laughs) But I I don't want to be sexualized and I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm private about my sex life because if you listen to the podcast, you've definitely heard me talk a little bit about my sex life, but I'm not as open as some people. Right, right. And and it's funny because brand coaches will always tell you like, oh, you got to share more. You've got to be more vulnerable. You have to be your more authentic self. And I do feel I'm being authentic, but that doesn't mean I'm going to share a hundred percent of me. No, and it doesn't mean that you have to or no. should have to. No. no, and I don't. I think that the people who you know, you folks who keep tuning in, accept that you know I share a little and I don't share everything. And you know what? Maybe in five years I'll share more. I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting old. I just turned forty. <laughs> Happy birthday! Yeah. Congratulations! I made it. And I'm so excited to be forty. I think I hear people. Um, you know, experiencing shame with age. And I don't know if it's sort of my Chinese background Mm -hmm. of revering age or just the fact that like, I love life. I love where I am. I feel like everything's good. I got good people in it. Knock on wood, everything's. (laughs) So yeah, I'm I'm excited for aging. I'm I'm excited to check this out. So folks can check out your podcast, the Sophia Gray podcast. Absolutely. And it's Sophia Gray. The Sophia Gray show. We have the website, we have the um, you know, we're on any podcast streaming platform. I listen to Dr. Jess on Spotify. You can find <laughs> us there too. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll be sure to link to that. Thank you so much for sharing your story. This is a little bit different than what we normally do. And I found it really interesting. Oh, good. And I'm I, glad. I hope people check it out, whether or not it's your cup of tea. I think it's worth exploring. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you to you for listening wherever you're at. I hope you're having a great one. We'll be back next Friday and every Friday with a brand new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.